and welcome to Bluegrass Stories with Katie Daly and me, I'm Howard Parker. Fans of bluegrass music should well be acquainted with Bluegrass Unlimited magazine, affectionately known as BU. First published in 1966 by Pete Kuykendall, it has remained the premier bluegrass print publication for 54 years under the tutelage of Pete and his lovely wife, Kitsy. Upon Kitsy's recent retirement and after a search for a new home, we're excited to report that the magazine will continue under the umbrella of the International Bluegrass Music Museum in Owensboro, Kentucky. Let's join Katie Daly as we meet Dan Miller, the new editor of BU, as he chats about the history and the November 1st relaunch of Bluegrass Unlimited magazine. Well, first, let me congratulate you on this great new job as editor of Bluegrass Unlimited. When did you find out? Well, um, Chris Joslin called me. He, you know, Chris is the director, uh, executive director of the Bluegrass Music Hall of Fame and Museum in Owensboro, Kentucky. And Bluegrass Unlimited magazine was um, acquired by the Hall of Fame uh, and Museum sometime, I think, during the summer. Um, Chris called me, I think, sometime in August, maybe the end of August, and talked to me about it to see if I was interested, and I said that I was. And then I traveled to Owensboro. I live in Missouri. I traveled to Owensboro and met with Chris and met with the uh, publisher, and we uh, discussed things. And I got a call about a week later that said uh, I had the job. Wow. And uh, up until then, you had been the publisher of Flat Picking Guitar Magazine. Yeah, from 1996 until 2016. 2016, yeah. So for 20 years, I was the editor and publisher of Flat Picking Guitar Magazine. Correct. Before we talk about uh, what we're going to find about Bluegrass Unlimited, most of our listeners are probably familiar with it, but they may not be familiar with you. So tell us about yourself, what your background is. Do you play music? Uh, how you got interested in Bluegrass? How do you become a publisher? Well... <laughs> That's a long story, but I I grew up in uh, the Washington, D.C. area, and I went to college at the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, and then I served for 10 years in, as an officer in the United States Marine Corps, um, and then when I got out of the Marine Corps in 1992 is when I started uh, my publishing business. I published a uh, Chinese martial arts magazine for eight years before I published Flat Picking Guitar Magazine. And so um, that's that in a, in a nutshell. As far as the music goes, I started learning how to play guitar when I was in college. And then right after I graduated college, I started learning how to play the banjo. And then, you know, picked up the mandolin later. And then I toured for a number of years with uh, my friends Brad Davis and Tim May, and I played bass with them. And then uh, when I moved to Missouri about eight years ago, uh, my girlfriend had a bluegrass band, and the only instrument that they were lacking was a dobro. So I, I learned how to play the dobro, and I played that with that band. So I kind of know how to play all of the bluegrass instruments for free of the fiddle. I don't play that. Well, tell us about uh, what, what differences we're going to see in Bluegrass Unlimited. I've already started to see an increased presence on Facebook with some historical po uh, posts and things, but uh, I'll let you... Tell us what we're going to see. Well, uh, the first thing that subscribers will see is a different upgraded design. Um, we have a really 
great design team that's uh, based there in Owensboro, Kentucky, and they have sort of modernized and uh, brought the design, um, you know, to more of a modern look. And then uh, I think we're using better paper and better cover stock, and so I think people will, will appreciate that. Uh, we've increased the number of pages from what it's been uh, in the past couple of years. Um, I think in the past couple of years, it's been in the range of 30 to 40 pages. And, and our first issue in November is going to be 64 pages, and we're going to keep it in that page range. And then, um, you know, like you said, we're increasing our internet presence. We're getting on all the social media platforms. We have, a, we have our own Spotify playlist. We have our own YouTube channel. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're just trying to, you know, modernize things and bring the magazine into the 21st century. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was the, the old stuff that we've been putting on Facebook. I mean, I've been using that to just get our presence on Facebook uh, uh, bigger until we start to roll out some of our new stuff. Of course, our new issue every month is going to come out, our new bluegrass survey every month. We're also going to do a weekly podcast every uh, uh Monday, we're going to be releasing a new podcast, and then we're going to be... Uh, what, what kind of podcast? Well, most of it ties into uh, what's going on that month in the magazine. For instance, this month uh, in November, the magazine cover is Becky Buller, and so the four podcasts that we did for November are interviewing members of her band. We interviewed mm -hmm. Nate Lee, we interviewed Ned Kluberecki, we interviewed Dan Boner, and we interviewed Stephen Mojin, who produced Becky's album. So all of our podcasts are going to sort of tie in and uh, get, get more information about things that people can read about in the magazine. And then we're also going to have a weekly newsletter because, as you know, in these days, bands are releasing singles every week, and it's just hard to keep up with uh, what's going on with the bands and with the music if we're just going to be coming out once a month. We're already way behind the times by the time people read the magazine. So... Our weekly newsletter is just going to go to people that are subscribers, and uh, we're also going to have a bunch of other uh, bonus features on our website for people that uh, are subscribers. The only way you can get the things that we're going to have online are if you are a subscriber. And part of that is going to be archive articles that, again, tie into what's in the magazine. For instance, the November issue, we have an article about <clears throat> the 2020 Hall of Fame inductees, which were the Johnson Mountain Boys and New Grass Revival and J.T. Gray of the Station Inn. And so if we've published articles about those bands in the past, we're going to reprint those up on the website so people can read that. And again, you can only read those if you subscribe to the magazine. We're also uh, wanting to have an instructional component to the magazine, so we might have some instruction videos up online. And again, if you subscribe to the magazine, you can see that. So we're going to have a lot of bonus things for subscribers that they can access on our website. This is incredibly ambitious. How large will your staff be? Well, or am I or am I talking to the staff? <laughs> for Flat Picking Guitar Magazine, you are talking to the staff. I had to do everything because that was that was that was my baby and. Uh, it was a real niche market, and uh, there wasn't a lot of money coming in, so we, uh, I had to pretty much do everything from lick the stamps and send out renewal notices to uh, lay out the magazine and write the articles. And but for this magazine, there's a great uh, 
company in Owensboro called Tanner and West, and they publish several local magazines, Owensboro magazines. And the Bluegrass Hall of Fame and Museum uh, director Chris Joslin has hired them to do all of that work for the magazine. So there's somebody that handles subscriptions, there's somebody that handles advertising, there's somebody that handles the website, there's somebody that handles photography and videos, and they've got a, a big team there at Tanner West that's handling all that stuff. And on our banner, Tanner West is listed as the publisher of the magazine. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you're primarily feeding them the content. Yeah, that's my job. I just I just find the content and feed the content. And I also sort of put content on uh, the various social media platforms and things like that. I find the content for the website. I find the content for the magazine. I assign people to write the articles. So my only job is editor, uh, you know, finding content and deciding what's going to go in the magazine and on the website. Well, what are some of the things, uh, old familiar things that we'll be seeing? Uh, will the uh, Bluegrass Unlimited chart still be there, monthly chart? Yep. The Bluegrass survey with uh, Lee Michael Demps- Dempsey compiles that, and that's going to continue. Murphy Henry is going to continue writing the general store column. Um, uh, Walt Saunders is going to continue to do his notes and queries. We're going to continue with uh, album reviews and book reviews and things like that. So. Uh, as far as the uh, standard columns, that's going to continue. We're also going to continue the yearly talent directory, the yearly uh, festival directory, the yearly instrument issue. So those things people will find uh, continuity in. I know that you and Chris went down to Bluegrass Unlimited in, in Warrington and got all of their files and stuff. What were some of the incredible treasures you found so far in those files? Well, I haven't had sufficient amount of time to look through there, but we've got we've probably got eight file cabinets full of photograph photographs, and I opened the Bill Monroe drawer, and uh, oh my God, you know, just photos dating back from 1939 all the way through when Monroe passed away. I mean, just incredible. Some really incredible photos of like Monroe and John Duffy close up around a microphone, and just all these things that were pretty phenomenal. And then there's drawers and drawers and drawers and drawers for every band. And then there was three file cabinets of just papers. And I opened a drawer and I pulled out an envelope, and it was an envelope, uh, you know, a big Manila envelope addressed to Pete Kuykendall, and the return address was to John Hartford in his creative calligraphy handwriting and I pulled out the papers in there and it was copies of uh, Ken Vandiver's wedding uh, uh, you know uh, marriage certificate I mean just things like that that are those cabinets are full of those kind of uh, bluegrass history treasures Wow now what, what will that happen to them will they be digitized and then be potentially on display at the museum, or what What will be done with that material? Well, all of that. The first real uh, job is to start digitizing stuff so it's easily accessible and it can be easily categorized and easily found. The museum is going to start to work on that, and of course it's a huge project because there's a lot of material. Not only everything that's in the photo file cabinets and everything that's in the, the door with all the papers, but also, you know, every back issue of the magazine dating back to 1966, we have every, we have a copy of every issue, and we're going to digitize all of those. 
so that all of that stuff is searchable and easy to find, and it's all going to be housed in the uh, Pete and Kitsy Kuykendall uh, Research Library. I think it's actually called Pete and Catherine Kuykendall uh, Research Library that's in the museum. Of course, Pete was a big part of the museum and IBMA and everything that had to do with bluegrass. I, I really don't think bluegrass would be where it is today if it wasn't for Pete and his hard work and all the things that he did for bluegrass. Uh, not only the magazine, but everything else that he did um, was uh, really great in promoting the music. Um, and so that research library is going to hold all of, all of that stuff. And it's not just Bluegrass Unlimited stuff. I mean, Pete collected magazines. There's there's Mule Scare News, and there's uh, Bluegrass Now, and there's Bluegrass Music Profiles, and Flat Picking Guitar, and Acoustic Guitar, and Mandolin Magazine, the Banjo Newsletter. All of, he he collected all those things, and there were shelves and shelves and shelves with all of those magazines in the office as well that we brought back to the museum. So it's not just. Uh, that, there's Pickin Magazine and Threats Magazine and on and on and on. They'll have copies of all that stuff that people can do research from if anybody's writing books or articles or anything about bluegrass. It's going to be a great uh, facility for research. That's wonderful. You know, uh, we were all sad when we first heard that Bluegrass Unlimited would be, quote, you know, going away or not be public. And there's no better place that could take uh, care of the magazine and all of those that content that would be better uh, serving the community, but also because of Pete's interest and um, you know, financial donations, uh, support to the museum. I, I think it's an absolute perfect place for Bluegrass Unlimited to, to land. Well, it is, and I know that you've talked to Chris Joslin before, and um, I tell you what, you know, I've been a bluegrass fanatic since the you know late 70s and I went to the old museum years ago back when IBMA was still in Owensboro and when Chris called me and invited me to come see the museum I was just absolutely stunned when I saw that place it's a new building that was built in 2018 and it is phenomenal it's like 50,000 square feet three stories it's got a 450 seat state-of-the-art theater. It's got, of course, all the exhibits uh, in the museum, and it's got the Hall of Fame that has all the Hall of Fame plaques that you can look at and, and read. And I was just amazed at this new building and this new facility and the stuff they've been doing. I mean, they've been doing a lot of cool stuff. Of course, they do the Romp Festival every year that draws about 25,000 people. But they also have all kinds of great shows that were going on in the theater. And, and local uh, businesses and local people can, can rent part of the facility for meetings and, and wedding receptions and that kind of thing. So it's right on the river, and the whole riverfront area has been modernized. Uh, folks that went to IVMA back in Owensboro years ago just won't even recognize the place because uh, that was kind of the last time I was there, I think in 1996 when IVMA, the last time IVMA was there. And uh, when I went uh, a few weeks ago, I was just like stunned at how gorgeous it is. Now, now, you're staying in Missouri, is that correct? That's correct. I live in Columbia, Missouri, and I'm, I'm staying here. I go to, the, uh, to Owensboro about once a month when we're getting ready to finalize the issue. We uh, have a meeting uh, for a day uh, and go through every page on a big screen and make sure everything looks okay. And I do that about once a month, and uh, otherwise I'm in Missouri and just doing things online and conference calls and things like that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, uh, for any of those freelance writers out there, let me ask, uh, how do they pitch a story to you, or do you uh, come up with your story idea and then um, find the writer that you want to, to do the article? How does that work? It works. It works both ways. I mean, we have ideas of who we want to feature, and then we'll pitch that to one of our writers. Uh, we're using a, a bunch of the writers that have, have written for the magazine for years. Derek Holsey, who has just won Ivy May's Writer of the Year, is still with us, and Bill Conger and Nancy Cardwell, and those kind of folks that have written uh, for the magazine for years. And I've brought in a couple people that um, were good writers for me for Flat Picking Guitar Magazine to do some articles. And then, you know, we have other people that are freelancers. They'll they'll uh, pitch pitch a story to me. I'm getting, uh, you know, I told Linda Shaw, the old editor, I feel like I needed to put on a, a batting helmet. I was getting so many articles and tips there for the first couple of weeks. So uh, there's no lack of uh, article ideas out there. And so if you're a writer, you know, you can pitch article ideas to me or, you know, I'll call people with, with ideas that we have. Mm -hmm. and, and Linda had a bunch of articles that she already assigned to folks. Uh, before we got the job, so I have that list to work off of as well. Great. Well, so you've got no shortage of ideas and and access to resources. And how much is uh is, is going to be a subscription? Do you know that yet? Yeah, it's going to stay what it was. Uh, it, it was twenty eight dollars a year, and, and we were keeping that for now just to see how things play. Of course, you know. Um, over the last year since the COVID thing happened, uh, you know, our, our festival advertising has dropped off, and we're hoping that, you know, things will start looking up as far as that goes, and people will start being able to tour and perform, and festivals will be able to hold their events, and we'll get that stuff going back. But, um, yeah, the, the subscription for the time being is going to stay the same as it was, and it's $28 a year, and you can go to... Uh, www.bluegrassunlimited.com and click the subscription button and get us get your subscription. I think uh, I think if, uh, if people will be excited about all the new changes and the new things that they'd be able to get as a subscriber to the magazine. Mm -hmm. And will it also include news from the museum? Will that be a regular feature? Yes, that's a regular column uh, because the magazine is under the the. Bluegrass Museum, it's the museum's magazine now. Um, every issue, we're going to feature a story about something that's in the museum. For instance, in our November issue, we have a story about a display of Cox banjos. Um, and then in the no a December issue, we're going to have a story about Uncle Penn's fiddle. So uh, Bill Monroe's Uncle Penn, who was uh, uh, legendary for the song Uncle Penn that, uh, that Bill Monroe and Ricky Skaggs made famous. Uh, his actual fiddle is there in the museum. So in the December issue, we're going to do a little article about Uncle Penn and his fiddle. And there's all kinds of other great things that people can see in there. Josh Graves' dobro and all kinds of other instruments and articles of clothing and posters. And just it's a, just a walk through bluegrass memory lane when you go in there. Well, I ha I've seen, I've been to the uh, former museum. I've not seen uh -huh. the new one. I'm very eager to go and, and take it all in because uh, just seeing pictures and all, it looks fantastic. You know, this is very exciting. I, I want to give a, a big round of applause to all, you know, the staff of Bluegrass Unlimited before Absolutely. you who have worked 
tirelessly to keep this magazine going and uh, have the reviews and the chart and all of that uh, has been welcomed, I know, as long as I can remember waiting every month for Bluegrass Unlimited to come through the mail slot. And I want to thank them for keeping that vision of Pete Kuykendall's going. And I want to thank you and Chris Joslin for stepping up and taking it over uh, and breathing new life into it. And as you said, bringing it into the 21st century. This is all very exciting stuff. How can people get in touch with you or do you not want to have? Or, or, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy you're successful in touch with me. The easiest way to get in touch with me, of course, is email. And my email address is easy to remember. It's editor at bluegrassunlimited.com. There, that's an easy one. Well, the best of luck to you, and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. And uh, maybe we'll, I'll find out when you're going to be in Owensboro so we can formally meet someday. Absolutely. And, again, I thank you for all your hard work on the radio and things that you've done over the years. Happy to do it. It was a labor of love. And yeah. they say, you know, if you do what you love, it's not really work. It's true. It's true. I, uh, I, I enjoy every minute of it. I, I, after I got out of the Marine Corps in 1992, I said, well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to get a job I enjoy. And I started the publishing company, and, and you know, that's almost 30 years ago, and I'm, I'm still enjoying it. So it's a lot of fun. And that was Katie Daly talking with Dan Miller, the new editor of Bluegrass Unlimited magazine. To learn more about BU, its November 1st relaunch, and most importantly, how to support the magazine with a renewed or new subscription, go to bluegrassunlimited.com. Bluegrass Stories is hosted on soundcloud.com and can be streamed on SoundCloud, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and katydaily.com. As always, thanks for listening to Bluegrass Stories. Thank you.